This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up, gangsters? We're back for another episode of Dishcast. It is the 22nd of the 6th, 2020. And it is episode 11. Unsure at the moment if I'm going to continue with the episode numbering tradition. We've done 10 of these. And I'm starting to wonder if people aren't listening because um, they're like, oh, well, I can't just jump in on episode 11. What if there's a storyline? <laughs> I'm doubting. Actually, I don't think that's probably, that probably isn't the reason. But what are you going to do? How's it, how's it going? Didn't post an episode last week. And there's not really a reason why. I guess I was just, I just didn't fancy doing one. Um, but but I'm here now. I'm doing it now. It's just kind of it's just kind of difficult to do. I mean, I don't really watch. I watched some things the last couple of days. That's why I know that I can definitely do this. But uh, last week, I didn't really have much to talk about concerning things I've watched or things I've done because I truly, and this is not an exaggeration, did nothing. Really, did nothing. Well, I did do one thing, which I'll tell you about. I saw a fucking horse. And as an, like, idiotic, you know, I mean, I, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a city boy, but that was the first time I've seen a horse up close. And being the stupid idiot, dumbass that I am, the first thing I said was, oh, no, I had so many dumb questions thinking back. I was like, what do you call the the, the horsewoman? <laughs> The horse, the horse, the horse's, the horse's owner. I was like, um, so does it, does it have a name? <laughs> Looking back, it was so stupid. I was a bit drunk as well, to be fair. But, um, yeah, there's no excuse for that kind of stupid. I just hadn't seen a horse up close. I hadn't seen an animal. Like you, you think of a horse and you know, they're big enough to ride and I've seen them in Lord of the Rings and, on Game of Thrones, but when you see one of these fucking things in real life, they're an absolute... <laughs> they're just so big. Noble was the word <laughs> we kept tossing around. <laughs> noble creature. So so big, so noble. 
God. Yeah, if you if you if you get a chance to see a horse <laughs> I'd recommend it. Uh but yeah, so other than seeing that horse, there really hasn't been much to talk about on on this podcast. And I'm really I'm just I'm so just I mean I, I know that, you know, everyone's in it, you know, at this point. We've been in it for a few months now, so it's it is getting uh it's getting wearisome, but I'd really like to be able to do this show with um other people. Um, I'm trying to record, you know, whenever there's anyone about and I can record them socially distancely, you know, like I managed to do with my brothers and, uh, I'm looking forward to being able to see my friend Ian soon. And we're going to talk about the, uh, the lighthouse and still I've got, there's this guy, Jake, one of my, one of my good mates who lives in London and he's been really involved in the, um, in the protests and he's an interesting guy regardless, so I've been looking to get him on the fucking podcast since the first episode, but um, yeah, I'd love to have him on it, because it is, like, I'm not going to say it's not fun, because once you get into it and you're like talking and that, you do kind of uh, lose yourself, is that what you say? Lose yourself? No, you just, you just kind of just go with it, but... Um, being able to talk with someone else is something that I've missed immensely because as soon as I can get someone else to just do the podcast with me, I'd be able to just a bit of a rapport, you know, a bit of a rapport. I saw a bloody new film the other day. I spent thirteen ninety nine on Amazon to get the new uh, Judd Apatow comedy. It is called King of Staten Island, Staten Island, sorry, and it stars Pete Davidson, who's, you know, one of the up and coming comedians of the day. One of the, one on the, the Netflix guy. I swear every comedian these days has a Netflix special. Why are they paying them? Are they just maybe they're. I'm guessing selling your special to Netflix, you get a good portion of the back end because it seems to be the, the the best option for like up and coming and you know um, veteran comedians these days. If they're doing a stand up show, DVD because it used to be just about selling DVDs. <laughs> Fucking uh, Michael McIntyre DVDs. That was the the number one Christmas gift when I was growing up. Anyway, fucking getting a stand up comedy DVD. But nowadays they're all on Netflix. And Pete Davidson's one of them. And he stars in this film where he pretty much plays himself. He has a hard kind of uh, working class upbringing, and his dad tragically died during nine eleven. He was a firefighter. And the film doesn't um, specify that. In fact, they sort of change the story on that a bit. But he's effectively p- playing himself in this film. And he's uh, his his dad obviously d- passes away early in his life. And he becomes this sort of waste man, tattoo enthusiast who works in a, uh, a restaurant. He's a bit of a dish boy. <laughs> he's like a, like a bus boy, I suppose they call it in America. That's what he does. And he's got these grand plans of opening up a tattoo restaurant. And um, circumstances, you know, a bit of plot unfolds. And he ends up, his mum, played by Marissa Tomei, ends up dating Bill Burr. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Bill Burr, but Bill Burr is pretty much my favourite comedian working today. And one of my favorite entertainers of all time, probably. And he's, I would say he's the main inspiration for me to, to do this podcast. 
based on his podcast. And I love it. But I'll get back to Bilba because really it's the Pete Davidson show. The film's... um, I mean, like, Pete Davidson's show, not like... I'm not confusing it with a show. It is a film, and it's called The King of Staten Island. It's a film loosely based on Pete Davidson's life, starring Marissa Tomei, Bill Burr, and it's directed by Judd Apatow. There's all kinds of like nice little cameos in there that I won't spoil, but if you like Judd Apatow films, like... Um, what else did he do? Shit. Knocked Up, Freaks and Geeks. Um... You know, he's just like one of the, I suppose you could say he's probably the biggest comedy director, writer working today. And yeah, he directed this. And um, yeah, it fits, tonally it fits pretty nicely into the rest of his films. Similar vibe. You know, Judd Apatow film when you see one, because they're not like, that's, I'll get into what, what I liked about the film in a minute, but he's got a pretty raw and basic like filmmaking style where it's usually just short reverse shot um nothing particularly fancy in terms of cinematography and that's fine you know and i think it's because he usually just lets a lot of his actors improvise or they have a sort of loose script and it works for this you know the only issue with the john aftel film is they're always too long they always just like slightly because i actually really enjoyed this one this is the first john aftel film in a while i've really enjoyed because I saw funny people and um, this is forty, and I don't really, I didn't really like either of those. But this film, yeah, for the most part, I was like, yeah, this is this is good. This, um, but they, they, he just he doesn't know how to edit himself. I think I think he gets so much material from his actors while he's making it, and then he wants to put it all in, and uh, that's usually where his films kind of stumble for me personally. I feel like they're kind of a bit bloated. Like there's often just plot lines you can just cut out. Which is fine, you know. Really, it's kind of a minor point. Like, you, sh- you shouldn't really be moaning about having too much film <laughs> in a film. But, um, I don't know. In his in his case, it's just those glaring plot lines where I'm just like, I don't really know if this, sh- this could definitely have been shortened at least, you know. And in this case, there's a plot line um, with Pete Davidson's sister, which is like it's fine. It's just the, there's a point where it kind of really meanders and it goes off on this thing, and that happens. And also, Pete Davidson's got this sort of um, on again, off again girlfriend in the film, and her story really like wraps up at the end. But it wasn't that involved in terms of his character. His character is more about um, learning to have a new father figure and coming to coming to terms with his father's death, and it's about kind of. Um, the person he's become as a result of his father passing away at such a young age. Um, and then there's this girlfriend character who's thrown in and the film, like it really kind of does a lot in that instead. It's kind of weird actually. I don't want to, Oh shit. Sorry. My fucking alarm clock just went off. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird, but I, I can't, I can't even that. I can't really criticize too. I'm really like, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And even the moments that I can, I'm trying to pick apart at it, it's, the film keeps like, the more I think about it, because I only watched it like a week and a half ago and I was still thinking about it now. Um, it just keeps kind of winning you back. Because even she's really good in it. She's like a hot, a standout. 
in it in terms of acting. I can't remember her name, but she's like an English actress. I think she's English. I think she's she's in like um, Downton or one of those shows. But she's like proper New York in this film. New York. <laughs> Is that how they talk? Sorry if you're from New York and I just just absolutely was rude about your accent. Uh, but she, yeah, she was really good at it, but her, she, I don't know, her character seemed unnecessary. <laughs> Which I know is kind of a, a contradiction, but um, yeah. But the, yeah, but, uh, we're getting to it now. Um, Bill Burman, he's the best. He's the best one in it, really. I mean, Pete Davidson's great as well, and you can tell that he put a lot of effort into, you know, this is this is his passion project, his baby, you know? And it's, it's but it, it, Pete Davidson's good in it, but it's all about Bill Burr. As soon as his character's introduced and the and the plot starts, it's just, um, it's just like he's just every time he's on screen. If he's got a comedic scene, or he's got an emotional scene, or he's got to get really classic Bill Burr angry, like what the fuck are you like? <laughs> the way he just the way he uh, acts angry. Uh, when you, I mean, even when you see him on stage, but particularly in this, because it fits the character so well, because he's just so pent up rage, and he's doing all he can in the film to just like try and compromise with Pete Davidson's character and trying to do his best with him, you know. But the whole, like, you can just see the simmering fury, <laughs> and it's 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 fucking great. It's great that he can tap into that so easily. And I don't know if that's because he actually was feeling those things or if he always is. He talks a lot in his stand-off about how he is just, he's just a, a, like a, a fucking, uh, like a coiled spring the whole time in terms of his rage. And it can just go at any moment. And I don't know if, if, if for sure uh, it wasn't just that. In the- <laughs> but there's some, yeah, there's some moments in it where he's just so fucking good. There's a moment, um, I'm not going to spoil it, but, uh, if boy, well, if you get it, go see it. If you want to see it, it's fucking great. It's it's on stream at the moment. You have to pay for it, but uh, it's worth it. I'd say because you get, like I said, you get so much film for film. Um, but yeah, there's a moment in the film where it all comes to a head a little bit between um, Scotty and Ray. The two, you know, Ray is Bill Burr and Scotty is Pete Davidson, and they they have like a sort of wrestling match in the in the garden where they're having a row and it all just sort of kicks off and this Bilbo he's such a fucking good actor I swear to god he needs to be in more stuff like he needs a starring role I'd like to even hear him do like a voice acting role I think that'd be interesting I think it's maybe because I've heard his voice so often that I, I can I, I can just sort of I think of his voice now before I think of his face <laughs> whatever that means um but he he's, he popped up he pops up in loads of things. He's in Breaking Bad and he's in uh, he was in an episode of The Mandalorian. But he needs to yeah, he's fucking good. Now, I don't know if you know I don't know if he's got he talks about it on his podcast quite often about how he he does have in, in aspirations to be, to become a um an actor here and there. But I don't know maybe he wants to focus on his comedy. Fair enough. Maybe I'll circle back to talking about Bill Burr once I've finished talking about King of Staten Island. Because I've always, I've always, I've, I'd like to talk about him on the on the show. And then Marissa Tomei's in the film as well. She's very good. She's good in everything though. 
She's in a film called The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. And I think she was either nominated for an Oscar or she won an Oscar. I don't know. But um, yeah, she, yeah, she's phenomenal in this film as well. Just classic, like, gives a good performance every time you see her, you know? Like, she's good in everything I've seen from what I can remember. Particularly in The Wrestler as well. If you get a chance to see that, it's a Darren Aronofsky film. It's very bleak, but um, I'd recommend it if you're into that sort of shit. That make you cry type of shit. That emotional, emotional heart pulling type of shit. Darren Aronofsky. What was the last film Darren Aronofsky directed? Mother? Yeah, then with um, Jennifer Lawrence. Apparently that film was so pretentious and no one knew what the fuck was going on that Darren Aronofsky had to do, like, press. <laughs> like, after the film had come out because everyone was just so confused by it. And I, like, personally, like, I've talk about The Lighthouse when I, when I watch The Lighthouse. I don't want to hear what the director's actual intent is. That just spoils the magic a bit, you know? You talk about David Lynch when he made... Um, he never explains any of his films. He just makes them. And then he's like, you know, you fucking figure it out. Like, it's not up to me, really. But Darren Aronofsky... Yeah, they, had, <laughs> they got him out uh, to do press for Mother because no one was fucking seeing it because no one understood what it was. And he's like, yeah, it's it's like um uh it's it's about like the Bible or something. <laughs> just chatting some garbage. And it's like, oh right, well I don't need to see it now because you just fucking spoiled it. But yeah, circling back to King of Staten Island, see it, yeah. If yeah, if you if you're thinking about you want to see a new film, you know? If there is such a thing these days as a new film, then get on that, definitely. Yeah, another thing I like about Bill Burr, um, not just his content, of course, because he's done he's done maybe the best stand-up special in the last, like, you know, 10 years with Paper Tiger, which I should have fucking got tickets to see. It was at the Royal Albert Hall in London, and I nearly, I was so close to getting tickets to go see him, and I just, I can't remember why, maybe I had to work, or tickets were expensive, I think, but it wasn't the fucking Royal Albert Hall, and it was the... It was the filming location for his new special, so I should have just fucking I should have just gone. God damn it! But anyway, so yeah, if it's not his his content's great, but he's like, and he's very down to earth. I mean, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a nutcase. You can tell he's led a colourful life, but he's got that sort of grounded quality to him where you can tell he's never let being famous ever affect or compromise who he is at all. You know, he's never relished in the fame. He's just enjoyed, you know being able to provide and he's talked before about on his podcast how um you know he's the same guy he was when his wife met him you know when he when he had nothing you know and he was working in a factory or whatever where he was working in a warehouse i think he was the, the only difference is that he's got a bit of money now and i tell you i just yeah it's fucking great because you, you, you listen to him talk and he just sounds like such an everyman, you know, with issues and stuff. But he's just so fucking funny. Like, how can you have it all? <laughs> how can you have it all without appearing to have it all? But yeah, Bill Burr, fucking... Uh, but yeah, he was recently on Joe Rogan's podcast. And he was talking about up-and-coming 
comedians doing podcasts and how they should never, if they get offered a network signing, um, they never should, you know, don't sign because somehow you're going to get screwed out of a deal. And he talks about this often on his own podcast about how these people who sign you on to these big contracts, they're often just there just to fuck you, you know? They're just vultures. Like they can't make money on their own without um, a talent to exploit. So they manipulate and fudge the numbers and and totally cut these people out of their fair pay, you know? And he's like, and I can't even actually remember if it was Joe Rogan or Bill Burr that said this, but one time he was being charged like $2,000 to use a, like a copy, copying machine, like a printer, <laughs> a month. <laughs> Because it's like there was a fine print in his in his uh in his contract that he had to pay for the fucking copy machine for two thousand dollars a month. And I was just like, oh, they started talking about it, it was so fucking funny. Uh, they just oh yeah. I mean, I would say I'm gonna worry about that because my podcast isn't big enough at this point. <laughs> but uh, I like the the advice nonetheless. Because you got to think like why yeah well unless you're getting copyright striked all the time because you're using other people's samples or you make you're on your on your youtube channel using like um video footage from films or something and you need a network to deal with that sure if i was to get a sponsor i just yeah i just do the do the sponsor get the money what do i need a like management for unless you know unless i have to have a day job as well and then i wouldn't have the time to correspond and stuff but i think i could figure it out well i'd you know what the fuck am i talking about i've got no idea whether I did <laughs> once again, just <laughs> just deciding what the truth is. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I was I was looking into it as well because he I think he started his own network just for that that exact reason because he kept getting screwed and he wanted to sign comedians onto him so and you know produce and stuff so that people could get a fair cut of their own products you know of their own content and I think it's yeah you know, I can't remember what it's called all things comedy I think it's called. But yeah, 100%. Next time he's fucking in the UK. I'm going to see him. I'm going to see him. If he ever comes back to the UK. If anyone ever does. <laughs> I did watch his... Um, he did have a... Well, he still does. That's another thing he had. There's the reason he was doing these... On the Joe Rogan podcast. Because he was promoting King of Staten Island. And F is for Family. Which is the animated show and i did watch the first two series of that but i just i didn't i didn't um keep up when they released the series three and uh vince vaughn was in it i did start watching it but i just can't remember why i didn't carry on because the, the series four is now out and i should really get on that oh well i did enjoy it though pretty light light watch really um sam what sam rockwell's in that he's really good in it he's not in it a lot but Yeah, I'll get on that. But yeah, Bill Burr, thank you. Thanks for your help. Right, moving on. Um, I watched the show the other day, an entire, like two series of a show. I think there was eight episodes a series, and I watched both of them in a day, 45 minutes each. And I was so fucking hooked by this TV show, and no one else seems to have watched it or heard of it. I've been asking around, because I want someone to talk about it with. And like, I saw my brothers yesterday, 
And I was like, have you heard of this show? No one's fucking watched it. It's called Brassic, and it stars Joseph Gilgan um, of Misfits and This Is England fame. You know, the guy, he was the guy who, uh, like Woody in This Is England, you know. Honestly, mate, you look sterling. I knew him from that, <laughs> from that line. Because <laughs> when This Is England first came out, it was like, uh, I, should probably stop, I should probably stop ripping this up while I'm on the podcast. They're going to hear that. Fucking idiot. Um, when This Is England was first, it came out in the cinemas and then it was on Channel 4. And I remember seeing the promotion, like, trailers, the ads for Channel 4. And I remember thinking, that film looks fucking good. Um, even when I was a kid, when it was coming out. And I always remember the, uh, honestly, mate, you look sterling. The way he said that, I was thinking, that looks so <laughs> like so funny and cool. And uh, yeah, he's, he's great in that film. That film's fucking great anyway. Um, and that sh- the shows, the accompanying shows, but he's he's gone off gone off on his own now because he went to America and he was in Preacher, and he was in Misfits, of course. Um, just fuck the fuck off, honestly, mate. You're a miserable prick. That's my that's that's my Rudy from Misfits. Um, so he went and did Preacher. Uh, that's this the uh, based on the comic book, and he's come back and now he's got his own show. And I've always just sort of followed his career, you know, he's an interesting person from his interviews and stuff, seems kind of like down to earth, but he's got, he's very open about his issues because he suffers with bipolar and he's also, he's had a bit of a like troubled past as well. And, um, film, the show is loosely based on similar to King of Staten Island. The show is loosely based on the creator. So Joe Gilgan, a lot of it's based on his own life and it's about sort of, petty criminals like a gang of petty criminals in like a small town and i guess it's sort of lancashire area because that's where he's from and it's called like crawley (laughs) or hawley i think it's called hawley you know he's like a petty thief and he's a weed dealer and it's mostly like there is overarching story in both series obviously but um it's mostly episodic with just what's going, what are they doing this week where it's sort of a, like they're ripping someone off or they're stealing something. <laughs> it's like situational humor. Uh, there's this episode where him and his mates, uh, all the characters are great. Him and his mates, they have to steal these fucking koi fish. And it's got uh, Jeff from Peep Show. You know, fucking Jeff. <laughs> Happy birthday, mate. Great party. That guy from Peep Show. Um, he's like this koi fish obsessed dude and he comes and they're, they're trying to steal his, they're trying to, they steal, first of all, they steal his fish and then it turns out they have to return his fish and there's all this shit that goes on. I won't spoil it. And he comes, he comes out looking for him and he's got this samurai sword <laughs> and, uh, like, you know, traditional Japanese wear, but he's just like, cla- you right, mate? Like classic scousy bloke. And he's just so, and there's this whole bit and I'm pretty sure it was improvised because the, the dialogue was so speedy and funny about how the sword was either it's not ornamental it's fucking real and he's talking about how this fucking sword is real and they're like no it's not it's fucking ornament no mate it's fucking ornamental <laughs> and the whole show is just situations like that about how it's just uh just like good like good good dialogue i'd like to know how much of it was improvised because uh all the dialogue and it's fucking great 
all the characters are good as well. Like he's got a little gang and they all do like, you know, they all go out, go about uh, ripping each other off and fucking all this. It's always like, all right, now you owe me. And then they, they everyone's always owing each other something. <laughs> I wonder if I can remember all the characters' names. Tomo. Erin was the girl. Dylan. Cardi. Vinny. Well, that's, that's the main guy, Vinny. Uh, Ashley. Ash, Ashley. He's like the Irish guy. There's an episode where he like boxes. It's really good. Um, honestly, mate. That's all of them, isn't it? JJ. Yeah, that's the whole. That's the that's the that's the core gang. Um, but but yeah, I fucking like really enjoyed it, and I, I was because I've been watching like interviews with Joe Gilgan. I don't know why, but yeah, I was listening to this podcast called the Two Shot Podcast, and it's got this guy Craig Parkinson in it, who's like a uh, actor who's appeared in like loads of stuff. He, like, he's the kind of guy you'd recognize if you saw him. He's in a few, like he's in like a few episodes of Misfits here and there, and you know stuff like that. And he's like he does a really good show. He just interviews actors. So I was listening to the Joe Gilgan episode of that, and I realized that he had a show out. So I was like, fuck, well, if he's got a show that's, that he's written, I should probably give it a look, look-see. So I paid for it on Amazon, and then I got, then I was so hooked after the first series, and it ends on such a fucking crazy cliffhanger. I was like, well, I should, well I've got a, I've got some time. I should probably watch um, season two. So I fucking did, and I paid for that too. So I watched the first kind of, I think the other reason I liked it so much is because the characters seem so genuine. Like you can sort of tell that they're all just kind of playing themselves in a way. Like you get the sense that these are these are actors who grew up in this kind of like there's a whole speech at the beginning how he he talks about how their Blairs lost children and they never had a chance at life and stuff and they had to turn to petty crime and stuff. And I'm not sure how much of you know the cast actually had to do that shit, but. Um, the way the the way they're so natural with the material, I don't know, and the, they they look so comfortable in the environment. You do feel like they're just really um at home with their characters. And another thing, like, it really like shines a nice spotlight on mental health as well, because Joe Gilgan suffers from with his mental health. So any the characters based off him and some of the scenes with Vinny when he's on his own or when he's with the uh, therapist. Some of them are played for comedy, of course, but there's moments where, uh, yeah, really uh, poignant and genuine as well. It's not like kind of Hollywoody. In the first series, anyway. Second series is a lot more glossy, I think. I don't know if it's because they had a bigger budget or because they just decided to go in that direction. But something happens at the end of series one where... Uh, it's like a turning point for the character. So series two, he's kind of different. Like he's refreshed. He's changed a bit. So I'm not sure if series two is just there to kind of reflect that because it does just seem like a lot more glossy and cleaner. I don't know. Maybe it's just me thinking that, but series one felt a lot more kind of dirty, which is fine. You know, it's fine to change every series. That's why I had to watch it again because I had this. Uh, you have this building sense that things are going to be different. Season two and season two was di- like they're different shows. It gets less comedic 
series two, but it's kind of glossier, so it's it's interesting. It's got an interesting kind of style. There are moments where it doesn't work for me though, because it starts off and it literally starts off when they're being chased by the police and having this nonchalant conversation while they're being chased by the police. So you you instantly get the sense that they're just constantly in peril and it's just nothing to them anymore. Like being chased by the police is just part of it. So then every time they're in doing a job, they're like thieving. Things are constantly going wrong and none of them are worried about it. There's no like, shit, we get out of here. Like, here they fucking come. Like that rarely happens in the show. Everyone's so chilled out and relaxed about committing crime or the characters. So you feel like they do this all the time, but it gets so, it goes a bit overboard at the end of series two a little bit where they're just like, they're just fucking like robbing shit for no reason and no one, and it just, they get away with it constantly. And also the big repercussion at the end of series one kind of doesn't make a lot of difference really. And like the character changes, but the circumstances don't really change in terms of what they're actually doing. It's a bit like, Oh, okay. So it's fine. So I get why they did that, but it did seem like a bit of a cop out considering what they had to do to, um, write themselves out of a situation and i'm sure to anyone who hasn't seen the show i'm just talking a bunch of fucking nonsense but if you've seen it (laughs) you'll know what i mean but those are kind of small gripes though because i am looking forward it ended really strong really good ending to series two so i'm looking forward to seeing series three because they've already commissioned a third series so sky one um sky one make good tv to be fair i don't know if it's because of just personal preference where i prefer a show that can swear and you know, be violent, but like people's fucking heads get chopped off in this film show. <laughs> and uh, and it's played for like comedy sometimes. And you haven't got a lot of shows that do that anymore, really. But I can think of anyway. They're good. I can't think of many good shows at the moment anyway. But yeah, Joe Gilgan, if you're listening or you're watching, uh, Give give us a. I'd like to, I'd like to talk to you about Brassic, <coughs> if that's cool. If that's cool, sick. If not, you know, if you're looking at this video or you're listening to this podcast, and you're like, this has only got one view, and it's just and it's just the guy who runs the podcast refreshing it by accident. Then you know, don't worry about it. But like you know, you got a good show. But yeah, moving on. I didn't get any emails. <laughs> Again, not even one. I don't know what you guys. I don't know what you guys' problems is. You know, just send me one email. You know, if you're listening to this right now, if you've made it this far, and you've got a phone in your hand, then just send me an email. Anything, you know, anything. You could send me the coordinates to somewhere, and I could go on a treasure hunt. I don't know what that means. All right, thanks a lot for listening. I'll be trying to do it more regularly, and hopefully I'll be able to do some more episodes with other people, so it's not just me sitting around um, on my own. But yeah, thanks for listening. Cheers. Wrap it up. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night. Sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.